If you see someone who has larger ears and they tend to have smaller eyes, those are people who are more auditory. So you'd say things like, does this sound like a good idea? Do you hear where I'm coming from? And all of a sudden you're speaking their language. If somebody has larger eyes, then you say things like, do you see where I'm coming from? Picture this because you're saying auditory phrases. Or if somebody, you can always take a guess of, of their kinesthetic of, does it feel like I'm on the right path? Is it something you can wrap your hands around? All these things are doing is learning to speak somebody's language. Welcome to the True Fiction Project, a podcast series that explores the origins of fiction. Every week, we begin with an interview, nonfiction, followed by a creative piece, fiction, inspired by something from the interview. The idea is to demonstrate, of course, that fiction is born out of our life experiences. Now, here's your host, storyteller, author, public speaker, health and wellness expert, Renita Hora. Welcome to the True Fiction Project. I am your host, Renita Hora. And I have with me today, Brian Galke. He is a face reader, but he calls himself an introverted extrovert. Now, what exactly does that mean? It sounds like an oxymoron. So let's find out. Hi, Brian. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show today. And what on earth is an introverted extrovert? What does that mean? Sure. So I grew up, loved being around people, but being terrified to be around people at the exact same time. So I would go to events, but I would almost sit in the corner because I didn't feel like I really knew how to interact with people, almost like I missed that day in school. So it was one of those things. Some people are full on introverts. They never want to leave their house. They're happy with the TV or book. Me, I wanted to be out and around people. I just didn't ever feel like I knew how to talk to and communicate to them properly. So this is not what I would have guessed when I first met you, which was a few months ago at an event down in San Diego. You seemed like the opposite of an introvert. You came up to me or I came up to you. We came up to each other and you just looked me in the face and you started reading my face. That is not an introverted thing. <laughs> It's not. It's a learned skill. That's the most important thing about what we'll talk about today is it was something I learned. And the real beauty of it is it got me out of the prison of my own mind and into the present moment. And when you do that, you really get out of your own way. And it completely changed my life. It both in business, socially, romantically, you name it. Just learning to focus on other people really gets you out of your own way. So I'd love to hear more about this, Brian, where and how did you pick up face reading skills? Pure circumstance. A friend came in from out of town. We were supposed to meet for dinner. I got to the restaurant. She was going to be a no-show. So she called and she's like, hey, I'm not going to make it. I was like, oh, here we go. And she's like, no, you need to come meet this gentleman named Mac Fulfer. And I'm like, no, I already sat down. We had plans. I'm going to just go ahead and have dinner. She's like, no, trust me. You need to come meet this guy. And growing up, I already mentioned being an introvert, what do good introverts do? They pick up books, right? Body language, NLP, how to win friends and influence people, whatever. But she's like, no, you need to come meet this guy. I said, okay. So I went over there and I walked up and there were eight people at the table. And she's like, this is Mac. He reads faces. I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. Read palms too, right? And he said, well, I can tell this, this, this about you. And I was stunned because he nailed me. And it wasn't what they call Barnum statements, which is like, oh, you've had a hard time in your life. Well, yeah, who hasn't had a hard time? But this was detailed things. And all of the other eight people at the table 
he read their faces as well. And I'm like, I'm going to catch this guy, right? I'm going to see what his trick is. This is BS. And he was able to talk about different things on every single person. And I was immediately blown away. And I said, how do I learn this? I grabbed a copy of his book. And then because he's local in the DFW area and I'm in Dallas, Texas, I would drive to Fort Worth the 30 minutes twice a month to spend two hours with him. And then I learned, I got certified and it completely changed my life. I went from being on the help desk, which is what a good introvert does, right? Find careers where people have to come to you to now I'm a regional vice president of sales and I'm a public speaker as well. So you actually went to school in face reading and how, I mean, that's fascinating to sort of think about how it took you from the help desk to advancing your career. Tell me a little bit more about that. Absolutely. So when I was doing help desk, you learn products. Well, the thing I had to learn was how to interact better with people. And what happened is when you start learning these little tips and tricks, and that's actually why I call the company Subtle Skills, is because it's a combination of all the little skills that I've learned over time that I realized every time I learn a new skill, a promotion came soon afterwards. And the number one skill that helped me the most was learning how to analyze people's faces because two things happen. Number one, you're giving people your time and attention. And when you do that in this day and age of smartphones and smartwatches and everything else, people, that's a rarity. And people actually feel seen and heard. And when you can make little modifications in what you want to say to how they would best receive it, it's like you're speaking their language and then they feel connected. So they pay attention when you're paying attention to them. But then when you start speaking somebody's language, it's a game changer. It's absolutely a game changer. And when I say that, there's like three types of eyebrows. There's a rounded eyebrow. So if you see a rounded eyebrow, it's they think about the people around them. So if you're talking to someone, you don't talk about them immediately. You ask about their friends, their family, their coworkers. There's an angled eyebrow like I have. If there's an angled eyebrow, it's what's my angle? Help me understand it so I can help other people. So you involve them in the process of what you're doing or talking about. And then there's a straight eyebrow, which is get straight to the point, facts, figures, data, and stop talking. Let them ask questions. And so when I walk up to somebody, I can just look at just eyebrows, which I could go on for like two hours alone just on eyebrows. But I start thinking, what do I want to say? Because we're all a little bit self-focused at times, but how would you best understand what I want to say? And by making those little changes, it is a just a dramatic change in how your interactions and your rapport building goes. So that's really interesting. Is eyebrows, is that the first stop? So the, the go-to opener for face reading, would you say? Not for everyone, but it is for me. And here's the reason why. Eyebrows lead to eye contact. So you start, if you're a little bit nervous, I mentioned earlier, I was an introvert. Well, you get credit for staring at somebody's eyebrows because they don't think you're doing it. But then you naturally gaze down because we're taught to read a book top to bottom, left to right. So if you start with eyebrows, eyes come next and that creates eye contact. Interesting. So what happens then if, you know, you go and tweeze your eyebrows, change the shape of your eyebrows? These days, people have sort of fake tattooed eyebrows, you know, all kinds of things that are not their original eyebrows. Correct. So what the advantage of doing something like that is that you're choosing what you want to present to the world. And so I'll give a, a funny story. My daughter just turned five a few weeks ago and we had face painters come to her birthday party and they painted the little kids' faces. And my daughter wanted to be painted like a tiger. And what'd she do? She walked around the rest of the time going, rawr. She's not a tiger, but that's what she was projecting out to the world. That's who she kind of became. So you're absolutely right. 
eyebrows, people will change them. So let's say that you had rounded eyebrows. If you're having them plucked, tweezed, shaved off, drawn back on, nobody's going to dramatically change what's there. However, an interesting side effect is a lot of people who feel out of control of their life, if they decide to shave or pluck their eyebrows, they go from one shape that tends to be that they'll replace it with an angled eyebrow because an angled eyebrow is what's my angle? Help me understand it so I can help other people. Interesting. So this takes me back to the years that I was living in Hong Kong, Brian, because it takes me back to a series of investor panels that I would participate on with venture capitalists and you know people who were looking at investing in companies. And the reason why I mentioned this is because I remember very clearly one of the investors at one particular panel, on one particular panel, saying, you know, looking at the business plan with the hockey stick shaped, you know, progress, that's important. But more important than that is face reading and reading the faces of the entrepreneurs or, you know, the owners of the company that you're going to invest in, because that is what really shows me about potential for working together and success. Would you agree with that? I absolutely would. So you've heard me speak and a lot of people here who haven't. If you ever heard when I start off, I say, this is the unfair advantage that you know, but you don't know that you know it. And that's because we've all been informally trained on how to read faces because authors and artists used to go and study what's called physiognomy. And the reason that they would study that is because when an author was writing a book, they had to describe their characters in two fashions. What did they look like and what were their actions? So over the years, as we had to read in school and in classes, we were taught what do facial features mean? And on top of that, artists also went out. So if you think about cartoons, or I just got back from Disney with my daughter, you can look at a Disney character and immediately know who's the hero and who's the villain based on their mm -hmm. facial features alone. So we just had formal training, unless you happen to run across someone like I did, or it's taught in a lot of European law schools for jury consulting. So that statement is absolutely true of sometimes we need to see people to really feel connected to them. That's the entire reason why when COVID occurred and people couldn't meet in face-to-face -face anymore, we didn't go to conference calls. We went to Zoom and we went mm -hmm. to FaceTime because we trust people when we can see their faces. So what happens in a situation where faces change? You know, I am older than I was 20 years ago, so my facial features have changed you know, I age, I sag, I, you know, those natural changes that take place or mm -hmm. artificial changes, plastic surgery, kind of like what we mentioned before with the tattooed eyebrows. Yes. And that's actually one of my slides in, in my training course. And when I'm doing presentations as a keynote speaker is I show a picture of me at 18 versus 38. And I used to have two very straight eyebrows. And what's that mean? Get straight to the point. Well, now on my business side, which I'll explain that here in a second, how you tell the difference between somebody's face left and versus right. On my business mm -hmm. side, I have an angle and that didn't start. That angle wasn't there until I became a corporate trainer. And what happens is I had to learn the material before I could help other people. So that's an angled eyebrow. Help me understand it. What's my angle? Then I'll help other people. And if you look at, to your point, gravity affects us all. Aging affects us all. However, there's 42 muscles in the face. The mind creates movement. Movement creates muscle. And it's no different than somebody who goes to the gym. You can always tell the guy or the girl who only does upper body and they never do legs. Mm -hmm. Well, you wouldn't say that's genetics. 
that's epigenetics. That's how they chose to exercise those muscles. And that's how their body reacts. Well, our parents warned us, stop making that face or your face will stick that way. That's actually very true because what happens is our mind creates that movement within the muscles. And as you keep doing it over and over, it actually alters the face. So in the picture I show of myself at 18, straight eyebrows, but my eyes also used to angle down. So when you see somebody whose eyes going from the inside, like by their nose out towards their cheek, if they angle down, that's somebody who sees the downside of things. And I was raised in a household where we were excellent problem solvers. We could always anticipate what could go wrong instead of focusing on what could go right. When I got into self-development and really started enjoying like Tony Robbins and going to different things, my eyes actually angled up where one is an even eye and the other one actually angles up a little bit where I'm a more of an optimist, whereas I used to be a pessimist or a problem, anticipating problems quite a bit. So your face is constantly altering over time. And there's two sides of our face. So we're all a little bit two-faced where the <laughs> left side, which is in the U.S. where we'd wear a wedding ring. If I said, hey, are you married? That's a personal question. That's the personal side of your face. Hmm. And then the right side of your face is your external or your professional side. So we can actually have a split face where if you cover up one side, it looks completely different from the other side. Interesting. So when things are mm -hmm. uneven, I've got more lines on my left side, let's say, than my right side, means what? I've got more worries in my personal life than in my career? More worries or it, there's all kinds of things. See, people, and I'm glad you brought this up, people assume that lines are bad, but lines mm -hmm. are amazing. Lines on someone's face tells you it's a map of where they've been. It's not where you're going, but it's where you came from. So for example, if you talk a lot on your personal side, but you're very quiet at work, well, on your left side, where a wedding ring would be in the US on your personal side, then you would have what's called talk lines. And that would tell me if I see you and I see that you have talk lines, I know you enjoy a good conversation. So lines, we always think of as, oh, bad and aging. But no, lines just tell us how to interact with somebody else. It's absolutely amazing. I see. Okay, so Brian, put this into context for us. Can you give us some sure. stories of what you've seen or what you've experienced with your clients, with yourself, anyone else? in your face-reading self-development journey? Sure. I'll use the most recent example. I was flying. I was in Phoenix, and I had to fly to Indiana for some speaking gigs. And when I was trying to fly home is when Dallas had ice storms about a month and a half ago. And I couldn't get home to Dallas. So what I did is they want to put me on an 8 o'clock flight. I put myself on standby for the 3 o'clock flight and thought, you know what? Worst case scenario, I'll go to the airport. But what I did when I got to the airport is I knew that gate agent was going to have a really hard day. So I went up and joked and said, hey, I'm on standby. I'm already on the eight o'clock flight. But I saw that she had rounded eyebrows. And so with rounded eyebrows, you talk about the people around them. So I walked up and I said, you know, it's all your coworkers fault. It's everybody's fault here that you guys control the weather and you guys control the maintenance on the plane. And I made her laugh because most people come up to attack her. And I said, I'm sure nobody's going to come up and give you a hard time or anything. And she laughed and we talked. And because I gave her that 30 seconds of attention, Guess what? I made it on that flight for standby, but I also got bumped up to first class. And that's what she chose to do because I made her feel seen and heard. And that's the real advantage of this is I could give story after story after story of where I've taken a few extra seconds and focused on somebody and just let them know that I'm actually seeing them as a person and it's changed the experience. I love to do it for bartenders, servers, when I check into a hotel People that are in positions that we normally dismiss are the people who need this the most. 
And my favorite thing to see on the internet right now is when somebody buys somebody else a cup of coffee, like they buy the cup of coffee for the next person in line. But I challenge everybody, focus on the person taking the order and you're going to affect the next 30 people in line just because you're focused on them. Instead of just, you know, repeating off your venti, latte, triples, Splenda, whatever, focus on the person, give them your time and attention for a minute. And all of a sudden they'll perk up, their shoulders go back. They feel seen and heard instead of just being treated as a worker. And that's what I love about face reading is body language is awesome. I highly recommend two books on body language. One is what everyone is saying, what everybody is saying by Joe Navarro. That's how to read other people's body language. Then my friend Janine Driver wrote a book that says you say more than you think. And that's about examining your own body language. But the challenge with body language is I'm not giving you eye contact. And if I'm staring at your body the whole time, you don't feel like we're in rapport. And that's what is the really amazing thing about face reading is if you want to tell people what you're doing, you get treated like a mini celebrity because everybody wants to come and talk to you. And then they bring over their friends and everything else. But it's all I'm really doing is focusing on other people and making them feel seen and heard. And it's a game changer. So I'm imagining, you know, this is partly because we are all, if I may say, narcissistic human beings. We love hearing about ourselves, focusing on ourselves, talking about ourselves. Is that true? You do say focus on the next person. So how do you juxtapose one with the other? Sure. It's when you make someone feel seen and heard, it just helps them perk up. So I mentioned a story earlier, went to a wedding, saw that the guy's name was Hungarian on his name tag. I went and looked up how to say thank you in Hungarian. Once I did that, instead of him just being a server who was taking care of our table, I made him feel seen and heard. And because I spoke his language, he perked up again as well and didn't just take care of me, but the other nine people at my table. And that's really what it's about is face reading, it, it's not feeding narcissism. It's the old face-to-face that we used to do before technology. So if you've read anything about the current dilemma millennials have is they've grown up in a world of perfection, on-demand television movies. They don't have to do face-to-face conversations because they do it in the DMs or they do it via text message or email. And then when they take pictures, oh, I don't like that one. Let me just delete it. So they live in a world of perfection. And so their number one fear right now that most adults, and I say adults, you will not realize I'm 47. Most people my age, their number one fear is public speaking. That's standing in front of four to 400 people and speaking. That's the number one fear. For most millennials, it's having a face-to-face conversation or having to take a phone call. And that's where our world has changed. Technology has advanced us in amazing ways, but we've lost the ability to communicate like we used to. So this is a real need. And when you say that millennials have a hard time just having a face-to-face conversation, I'm curious to ask, what is it that you are teaching them or to your audiences through these face reading education sessions? Sure. It's all about looking somebody else's face and figuring out how do I speak their language? So a very, very simple example is in my presentation, I show people who have very large ears and very small eyes. Now it's in proportion to their face. It's not directly comparing them because we all have larger ears and eyes. But if you see someone who has larger ears and they tend to have smaller eyes, those are people who are more auditory. So you'd say things like, does this sound like a good idea? Do you hear where I'm coming from? And all of a sudden you're speaking their language. If somebody has larger eyes, then you say things like, 
Do you see where I'm coming from? Picture this because you're saying auditory phrases. Or if somebody, you can always take a guess if they're kinesthetic of, does it feel like I'm on the right path? Is it something you can wrap your hands around? All these things are doing is learning to speak somebody's language. And so another example is I used to be the obnoxious American that when I first traveled, I thought everybody should speak English. And if they don't, I'll just speak English louder. And somehow that's going to overcome the language barrier, (laughs) right? But when I learned basic phrases of everywhere I went, so on my phone, anywhere I've ever been in the world, I have good morning, good evening, please, thank you. Most importantly, where's the bathroom? And things like, can I have my check, please? Because everywhere I've gone, if I attempt to speak their language, I'm treated differently than if I just expect them to speak English. Face reading is no different. All it is, is I know what I need. I know what I want to accomplish. When I say accomplish, this isn't using people. Maybe I want to build a relationship with someone. Sometimes it is sales related, but it's not making it about just me and what I want, but how do I talk to this person in their language? So if you've ever read the book, The Five Love Languages by Chapman. Mm -hmm. So in that book, he says, the barriers to communication are broken down when you learn to speak the other person's language. The best thing about face reading or analyzing faces is everybody's got a face. And even during the times of COVID where half the face is covered up with masks, that's why I start with eyebrows and eyes because you can still see them. And eyebrows you can see from far, far away. And again, eyebrows lead to eye contact. Back to the eyebrows. Brian, (laughs) the uh, premise of this show is to actually give this interview to one of our fiction writers to see what might inspire them and what kind of fictional piece they would come up with. If you could give a writer a writing prompt, what would it be? I would write about someone who had to go like to a networking event and they Mm. didn't know anybody and they really had this fear and they didn't know what to do when they walked in. So imagine a person walking in instead of with your head down and trying to go hide in the corner It's about finding people. And what I always looked for when I was an introvert is I looked for people with rounded eyebrows. When I walk in, even when I'm speaking on stage, I walk up and look for people with rounded eyebrows because I know they love to take care of the people around them. I'm one of those people who's around them. So you could write about a character who's nervous going to a new event and they walk in and they look for people with rounded eyebrows. And those are the people they first walk up and talk to. But the other thing that they look at is their upper lip and how full or how thin it is. Because if they see a fuller upper lip, those are people who enjoy talking about themselves. So I could ask them questions about themselves. If it's a thinner upper lip, we've all heard the phrase, keep a stiff upper lip. Well, that means don't share your emotions or what's going on in your life. So if you walked up to somebody who had a rounded eyebrows and they had a thinner upper lip, I know that they would support me, but I wouldn't ask them a lot of personal questions. So I don't know if that helps with you or not. Absolutely. All right, Brian, tell us where we can find out more about your programs, your face reading consultations. Uh, Where should we go? Absolutely. Subtle Skills, S-U-B-T-L-E, Skills, S-K-I-L-L-S, is pretty much how to find me everywhere. That's me on Instagram. That's my website. That's the name of my company. So you can just look for Subtle Skills pretty much anywhere. Subtle skills. Well, Brian, thank you so much for being a guest today on the True Fiction Project. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. That's Brian Galke. He is a face reader and an introverted extrovert. Thank you for listening to the True Fiction Project. I am your host, Renita Hora. 
And now to the premise of the True Fiction Project, which of course is to create fiction out of nonfiction. How to Human 101, written and read by Parker James. Okay, Zeldar, try and take a deep breath. It's just a normal human, what do they call them? A networking event? What a strange name. Why does Titus IX University have to make their human suits so itchy? I wonder if it's 60% pure human, like Rufus said they were. Whatever, just do the stupid assignment, ask Human Studies 101, and get back to polycarbon music chain engineering and make it big off-world. Zeldar's thoughts raced as he made his final adjustments to his human mask at the front lobby door of the Bellagio. Las Vegas was one of the last places on Earth, or really any planet he wanted to be on. The way the rapid change of climate made Zeldar's skin and eyes crawl baffled him. Why wouldn't humans just make everywhere the same climate? They can make a social media company control elections? They can't make the desert wet? Zeldar thought to himself as he opened the freezer door of air conditioning to the lobby of the strange temporary home to the desert-dwelling humans. Okay, Zeldar, what is the name they gave you? Zeldar looked in his ocular computer screen only to find his human cover name was Randy Randerson. Well, Zeldar didn't spend a ton of time actually paying any attention in his human studies class. Even he knew this was a stupid name. As he strolled through the various gambling and drinking halls of the Bellagio, Zeldar couldn't help but marvel at the way humans would trade bits of green paper for plastic discs and play little kid games for usually fewer bits of green paper in a final exchange. Soon he found the correct conference room for his assignment. His ocular computer said the conference was something to do with marketing in the general sense, but he didn't truly care enough to learn. He didn't like interacting with his own species, let alone these weird, confusing, and often violent hairless apes. It was no matter for Zeldar. He didn't have much of a choice but to push the conference door open and take his first step inside. His main assignment stated that he needed to use various face-reading techniques to try and make at least one honest human connection. The conference was bustling with 876 people, according to Zeldar's ocular computer. Obscure brands and product ads blasted the walls and made Zeldar's head spin. Very few of the products were in his human guide, and the rest were just making him feel extremely uncomfortable about their true nature. He soon scanned the rune for a single human to attempt his face-reading techniques to make a friend or at least a low-mark connection for his class. Across the main floor stood a human man roughly the same size as Zeldar's human disguise. This human was dressed in a simple navy suit, cropped almost balding hair, fresh brown shoes, and an almost perfectly round face shape. Does that mean he's young or old? I guess I'll find out, Zeldar thought as he walked up to the man. Hello, good young or baby old sir, Zeldar said. The man looked up from his phone with a confused, slightly offended look. My name is Randy Branderson. What do the humans here call you? Zeldar continued. The man had dropped his offended look, but was still equally confused by Zeldar's introduction. Uh, hi, I'm Mark Clarkson. Can I help you with something? Ah, yes, I can tell by your overly round face you are naturally helpful and friendly, Zeldar stated while attempting a smile, but mostly looked like he was baring his teeth. You call me overweight? The man grumbled back. Uh, of course not. I can just see in your eyebrows you're trying to work an angle by the 22.4 degree angle of the inward points. 
May wasn't sure how to respond, let alone continue the conversation. Well, um, Rando, was it? Uh, I think I'm getting called over there. Enjoy the conference. Delar couldn't see anyone or anything that would have gotten the man's attention, but alas, the man was quick to rudely rush away from Zeldar. This unsocial alien did try to complete his university assignment by speaking to more and more of the humans, but soon utter strangers were avoiding him like the plague. Feeling like a complete failure, he left the conference room to find one of the many poison dispensary ledges, or as the humans would call them, bars. Zeldar ordered some kind of fruit juice with no poison, then stared deeply into the dirty glass. Hey man, everyone loses money here, the bartender said to Zeldar. Zeldar looked up from his stained glass and noticed the female bartender looking at him with what his textbook was said was pity. She had very rounded eyebrows, wide soft eyes, and a rather diamond-shaped face. He decided not to mention them at all and just tried acting like what he thought a human might act like. Eh, tell me about it. I've tried to read out the room, but nothing has happened. Everything seemed to just want to run away from me. Well, you're not alone. It happens to the best of us. Next time, try going to the dealers with rounder faces. They're way more willing to help you out. The bartender said with a genuine smile plastered across her face. Here at the True Fiction Project, we are always looking for great stories that make for compelling fiction. So, if you have a great story or know somebody who does, or if you are a writer who would like to contribute, then please do get in touch with us at renita.com forward slash contact. Thank you for listening to The True Fiction Project with Renita Hora. Be sure to subscribe to the newsletter to receive more inspiring stories showing how fiction is born from our everyday experiences. For more information, visit www.truefictionproject.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.